I invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus. We're still in Exodus chapter 20, friends. And if you've been here for a while, I told the first service, this is kind of like an inside family joke. Um, we're on page 54 in your pew Bible, still. We will be on page 54 for a few more weeks. So if you're confused on where we are, Exodus 20, page 54 in your pew Bible. Give you a sense of where we're going. So today we talk about stealing. Next week, bearing false witness or lying. Mark's going to wrap us up by talking about coveting the next week. Then on October the 30th, we're just going to really rejoice in the gospel big time. How about that? As we're looking at the law and we're thinking about the ways that God's calling us to live, if there's some moments that we can feel frustration and be like, man, I can't live up to this. Exactly. It's the point, in a way. So we're going to rejoice on October 30th in the gospel. And then we're going to have a series on gratitude um, for the weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. So I'm just giving you an idea of where we're headed. And before you know it, we'll turn around and it'll be Advent. So brace yourselves. All right. Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I thought that I was in for an easier week this week, friends. You know, I thought, all right, last week we got the adultery sermon behind us. (laughs) Awkward for everybody, difficult subject and topic. And this week we're just going to move to stealing. Right? We're just going to move into like, don't steal And I was thinking about it initially primarily in terms of the truth that, um, as the New City Catechism teaches, what does it mean to not steal? You don't take without permission that which belongs to another. And that's true. That's very much a part of the commandment on not stealing, that you don't take without permission that which belongs to someone else. And that you're also generous and that you also lend. But I think God in his providence also had me reading the book of Malachi. Raise your hand if you read Malachi lately. Just, I'm just kidding. We have one. By the way, he's a former pastor, so yeah, it makes sense. All right, Malachi. So Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. So if you have trouble finding it, just go to Matthew and go left. Okay, Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to read this passage for you because... You know, I'm, imagine me, I'm thinking about stealing all week. That's all I'm thinking about. Not like taking your stuff, but the idea, right? Don't steal. And I'm reading through Malachi, and I get to chapter 3. And this is what I read, starting in verse 6. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing 
until there is no more need. Now, when I got to that chapter, you know, honestly, it was probably like 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm just doing my reading like I always do or like I usually do. And I got to chapter 3 and I thought, you know, I've never really thought about, and probably I should have, the whole idea of stealing in terms of me robbing or stealing from the Lord. It's kind of a new concept or way of thinking about it. And I started thinking about this whole idea that God entrusts everything that I have comes to him and ultimately it belongs to him. And what I do with it, he's concerned about what I do with it in the world. Now, here's context for those of you who haven't read Malachi in a long time. So Malachi probably happened after God's people came back from the exile. They were back in the land. They had rebuilt the temple. And there was kind of this like form of religion happening, kind of. Okay, There was some worship happening in the temple, but it wasn't really up to what the standards, it wasn't really up to what God intended for his people. I kind of thought about that in the song Waymaker, that, that the people really kind of labored under this sense of like, is God really here and at work among us? Like it just wasn't as good as the, the good old days. Okay, And they started going through the motions of worship. And if you read early on in the book of Malachi, they were offering sacrifices, but like they weren't really offering the sacrifices they were supposed to. I want you to picture in your mind like a really, a really skinny cow. You got it? You there? And then like you got a bunch of fat cows, and you're like, all right, honey, we need to make a sacrifice. We need a cow. Hey, let's, let's take the skinny one, right? Probably just, the fillets off that aren't going to be good anyways. Let's just take that and kind of like fulfill the obligation we have to fulfill at the temple. And then we'll kind of go on about our lives. And Malachi comes into that kind of environment. And he really calls the priest to task as well. Because here's the thing. Nobody who's ever been a part of God's people in a leadership role has ever been like, we're talking about money this week. Yes. You know, like I'm going to go in and be like challenge people about how it is that they're giving because money is one of those sensitive topics that we all kind of like know. Like imagine this. Imagine you walked in this morning and I was waiting at the door and I walked up to you and I shook your hands like, hey, great to see you. Hey, by the way, what's your net worth? What's your salary this year? Like isn't that as... That takes you off guard as much as about anything, right? You're like, whoa, hey, none of your business. Thank you very much, right? Because there's something about money and stuff that is kind of personal and private, and we're kind of like, don't worry about what I do. And it's one of those things that nobody else knows except for you and the Lord, right? Like it's between you and the Lord, like what you've made and what you've done with it. And so I think the priests in Malachi's day had kind of gotten to the point where they're like, well, let's, just don't push this one too hard. <laughs> Let's just be happy they're still showing up and sacrificing something. They're kind of going through the motions. It's fine. And Malachi comes in and he's like, hold up, time out. This, this isn't what God would have for us as his people to be doing. And it really, to me, comes down to this, this notion of 
whether or not we believe that, that God can provide or will provide for our needs. That we, that we look at our stuff as primarily belonging to us, and what we do with it is our perspective. And then there is really this act of faith that, like, if I step out and I entrust all that, and I use all that God's entrusted to me for his purposes, am I going to have more or less left over for me? Less. And there could be this point thinking, hmm, I don't know if the Lord is able to provide. But the truth of the matter is, everybody look at me, everything that you have doesn't belong to you. It actually ultimately belongs to God. Now, I was in a big box hardware store. I will not name it because my dad works in an independent small hardware store in a little hometown I grew up in, so I kind of already... I walk into these big stores kind of like, you know, it's the man. Anyways, I went in one of those because I had to, and guess what they've already got out? Christmas decorations. Now, they've got, they're kind of past the kind of like scary Halloween stuff. It's kind of down here. It's left over. May and I were waiting on Mary to complete this return. We went down there, and there's like a big werewolf. We're like, nope, we're going that way. So we went back down, and we couldn't go into the Christmas stuff, but it's already up. And so we sat there, and we, like, looked at the trees, and we looked at, you know, like Mickey Mouse. I'll have you know there is a nativity. All of us good going church people will be happy. There is a nativity at this big box store. And we were talking about, and it got me thinking about Christmas and how if I'm a good husband this year, and I'm not just saying if, like, it, it, it definitely is an if. If I'm a good husband and I take my children to get presents for Mary, she's not in here, is she? Yeah. If I take them, who is paying for the presents? Me. Yeah. Like, I'm taking them to buy presents, but there could be this illusion in their mind that they bought the gift. Right? But really, everything that they have really ultimately belongs to me. And they're using it, but they think it's theirs in some way. And in a similar manner, you and I, everything that we have ultimately belongs to God. We live under this kind of illusion that it belongs to us. But the truth of the matter is, everything ultimately belongs to Him And God's concerned with how it is that we use what he's entrusted to us. And it really hadn't occurred to me until I matched up you shall not steal with the idea of Malachi about robbing from the Lord that there was even this possibility that I could do such a thing. Right? But it made me kind of totally rethink about how it is that I look at my finances or material possessions and the fact that they belong to the Lord, and that God calls me to use that and steward that in such a, per, such a way that I support his mission and his work in the world. And, and the more that I lean into using what he's given me for his purposes in the world, the more joy ultimately I find, and the more it increases my faith as I step out and become more obedient in those parts of my life where sometimes I'm tempted to not be that obedient.
One example from my own life. Um, while I was working on your church staff, of course, <clears throat> Dr. Moby's brought me here and like I kind of knew the deal. So I knew what to do with my finances <laughs> when the chance relates to the church. But I was writing checks. And one month, guess what I did? I forgot. And then I realized that I forgot. And then the next month, I was like, whoa, doubling up's not easy, <laughs> you know? Like, it's a significant amount of money. And, and, and it, it kind of required me to then be like, all right, here you go, Lord. I'm going to write this check and hope that you're going to provide for me. And, and, and for all of us, obedience in this area looks like that. And here's one of the things that, that I promised to do for you as your pastor as it relates to money and tithing and giving and that kind of stuff. I promise to always just be sincere and straightforward with you. So not try to like twist your arm or emotionally manipulate you or like, hey, if we can do this. Hey, everybody's getting a shirt if you give a little money. This Like I'm not going down that road. I just want to be honest and transparent with what I think Scripture teaches because I really am convicted that Malachi kind of called the priest together and was like, hey, this ain't okay, what you're doing. So a certain responsibility, I feel, to just tell you what I see Scripture says in this regard. And here's the thing. In the Old Testament, it's pretty clear that God called his people to give a tithe, to support the work of the temple, to support teaching and worship that was happening in that, in that space. And then, lest you think that's all they had to give, then there's all these offerings. and, Anyways, the people were required to give a lot in the Old Testament. And the temptation was always to not lean into that, honestly. To not give what they were supposed to give. And then when you get to the New Testament, here's the kind of sticky thing. There's not a lot of teaching in the New Testament as it relates to what? Tithing. Which a tithe just means 10%. Now, if you've ever chaired the stewardship committee, part of you is like, man, wish there was a verse up there about tithing. Like a real clear, just like, hey, all Christians should tithe. There's a passage in Matthew where Jesus talks to the scribes about, hey, you guys tithe everything, even down to like your herbs and that you ought to be doing, but not neglecting justice and mercy and weightier matters. So we think it's, it's, it's in there. But the emphasis really is more on generosity. I'm going to read this, that verse I read from you earlier from Proverbs, verse, chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? There's a part of you that you think that if these second things are going to be true, then I'm the one who has to provide for all these things. And giving more away to support God's work is not really going to ultimately have that outcome. I told the first congregation that it's, it's counterintuitive, kind of like golf. Any of you like golf? I have clubs. If you've ever been so unfortunate as to be on the church golf uh, tournament team with me, I'm sorry. But it's, it's counterintuitive in that if you're hitting a golf ball, you want the ball to fly high. Like when I play with people who can really play, that's the thing I admire most about their shots. Like they just they hit it and it's just, and then I hit mine. I think, okay, I want mine to do that. 
And the temptation is to do what? To like lift it up, right? I want to swing such that I lift it up. Guess what happens when you do that? It actually goes down. Because the club is designed to do the work. And so really, if you swing down and through the ball, so I'm told, then it flies up. But it's kind of counterintuitive. In a similar way as it relates to how we steward what God's entrusted to us materially speaking, our normal thought process is to secure as much as we can for ourselves, kind of protect and make sure we've got what we need, versus generously giving it away and trusting that God's going to provide for us. Now, I told you there's not a ton of stuff about tithing in the New Testament. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians. And I'm going to show you this kind of idea from Proverbs in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 6, Paul's writing a lot about giving in this section of 2 Corinthians. And he says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So do you hear that Proverbs language kind of up and running for Paul as he's talking to the Corinthians? Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. So here's the thing that I want you, as you think about how it is that you steward what God's entrusted to you, I want you to think about it like this. First, I want you to think about, one, how has God been gracious and generous to you in your life? Okay? Think about how it is that God's been gracious and generous to you in your life. And it might be that you really like go through the practice and you go and sit down and you take out a pen and paper or your computer or your phone or however it is that you write stuff down. And just make a list of how it is that you've experienced God's goodness in your life. And then be thinking about how it is that you would respond to God's grace and gratitude in your life, most fully in the person of Jesus. And I want you to think about how it is that, that Mountain Brook Baptist Church has been a blessing in your life. How is it that you've experienced God's goodness and grace as it relates to your involvement and participation in Mountain Brook Baptist Church. And then pray into how it is that God would have you steward what he's entrusted to you for his purposes in this place and out in the world. I don't mind telling you that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Mountain Brook Baptist Church. Um, and I care about everyone that somehow is connected to this place. I think about kids that get carried out when they cry. I think about all the kids that are down in the daycare right now. I think about college students that are off somewhere at some campus. I think about young married couples that are getting married here and families that are happening and babies that are being dedicated in earlier services. I think about the kids at the junior high who need us to be a faithful presence to Jesus in this place. I think about partners like Restoration Academy. Man, Melinda, you should have taken up an offering. You should have passed the plate when you got done. 
just hearing about the ways that God is moving and doing awesome things in and through our church. And, and I, I don't share this sermon with you on a Sunday where we're like, I, I told the first group we met, they're like, oh gosh, people are going to leave and be like, hope the church is okay. Ooh, preacher got on money today, must be a bad. It's really, it's actually not the case at all. Like we're in a really great place, which is I think even a better time to talk about it. And, and not so much so we look to the church financial sheet or we look to our left or our right, but we really like look in our own hearts and think about what does it look like for me to respond faithfully to what God's done for me, to utilize what already belongs to him for his purposes, starting here at my church and then moving out into the world. And then just believe that as you do that, it might require you to exercise faith. It might. It might require you to be like, Lord, I don't really know how I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to start moving in this direction. Some of you, are, I'm sure, are already tithing. Some of you are, like, doing way more than that. I thought the first group, too, was like, people who are giving more than a tithe are like, oh, that's all you need? Perfect. <laughs> I'm out of here. Others of us, but, but you know that's not where we're going, Right? That's why you start by thinking about the way the Lord's been gracious to you and responding in a way that's appropriate for that. Others of you, it might be that, that the thought of giving 10% of your income like right now to support the work of the church, you're just like, unless I'm moving in with you, bro, it ain't happening. Right? And like, I get that. But I, but I would encourage you, wherever you are, to start moving toward what it looks like to steward what God's entrusted to you for the purposes of our church. Because I really do think, as I, as I think about it, that, that we're really kind of scratching the surface of what we could be doing at Mount River Baptist Church, both for people here and in our community and places like Fairfield and, and even to the ends of the earth. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you for your graciousness and we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, we, we know that you ultimately, for a relatively short period of time, allow us to steward things that belong to you. And so Lord, we pray that you would help us to be faithful in that regard, that we would, that we would recognize that everything that we have is yours. And that we would trust you enough to know that if we're stepping out to support your work in this place and as it radiates out to other places, that, that if we have to re experience more faith that you'll make a way that you will provide, that we would do so. And that we would be generous, cheerful people, even as we support your work in the world, and that you would help our faith to go through the process. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. Don't worry. Next week is just about lying. Uh, it'd be funny if I got like a deacon's meeting next month and they're like, hey, you got to figure out something to preach about, man. They're not killing the numbers. So we're going to lie in this next. Um, but, but thinking about what it means to be truthful in our speech.
Um, okay, everybody, here's a secret. 